listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. SCU in trouble. Their dreams can be shattered. Scorpio Sky fights, and he fights. His wills himself to stay in this match. No matter what, come hell or high water, this young man will never quit. Um, now Scorpio Sky being set up. They're looking for that package pile driver. Double foot stops combination. Sky kicking his legs inside. Oh, it's on It's on Two. It's on yes. Oh, my God. Scorpio Sky has done it. It's a brand new episode of the Elitist Cinema Geekly's AEW Podcast. It is Anthony Lewis and Nick Montez, and we're back to talk AEW Dynamite episode number five on TNT, the Halloween edition. Ooh, spooky. The Rick and Morty edition of AEW. What a random thing to have on your show, but I loved it. It was so weird. Well, I mean, uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, Obviously, it played a... I would say it played a long-term minor part and also a short-term minor part in the show. Um, Mm -hmm. They did one thing surrounding it, but also the ring was decorated, sort of. Oh, yeah, with the little portals on the uh, corner post. Yeah, it had, like, uh, portals on the ring post, and the turnbuckle pads had, like, the Rick and Morty logos on them and stuff. Yeah. Um, First, let's talk about AEW Dark uh, that aired uh, the day before on Tuesday. Uh, Decreasing, I feel like decreasingly there is like less and less to talk about each AEW Dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't go into detail on it. It's sort of become this podcast's NXT UK, uh, (laughs) where there's just, you know, one thing of note and then nothing else. Uh, They had, uh, I should, there is one thing to note here. They had a women's match that was not that great. Like, you could, even Jim Ross was, at one point, was like, you can tell that they have flashes of brilliance in them. Because they do. They have, like, moments where you're like, oh, that was good. But Mm -hmm. then, like, things fall apart. It was a four-way with uh, Sadie Gibbs, Allie, uh, Emi Sakura, and uh, Penelope Ford. And Gibbs and Ford both... Uh, are clearly gifted, but need a lot of refinement, <laughs> and at oftentimes did not look great, except for the moments where they looked great. Uh, and Allie was okay, and Emi Sakura was okay, and the match at times worked, and at times fell apart, and probably went way too long. Uh, the main event got real good at the end, but it was just weird and random. Uh, it was Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. So far, you're following me. And then mm-hmm. Jack Evans in a three-way <laughs> falls count anywhere match for some reason. Hmm. Stipulations for stipulation's sake, I guess. Yeah. Like, all they really need to do is talk about Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen and note that these guys, this is how they like to fight normally. Like, they're like Raven. 
Raven had Raven's rules. All of his matches were like this. You didn't need to build to a stipulation. This is just how he liked to fight. And all they have to do is say that, and it will make some sense. Now, you'll never be able to make any sense of why Jack Evans is randomly in this match, but what the hey. Well, I mean, I, I know why he was in it, because Jack Evans is good, and they did some cool stuff in here. Uh, but the the crowd was really tired. By the end, they introduced some plunder, uh, and there was some really good stuff. And uh, the finish of the match was uh, Jimmy Havoc hitting Jack Evans with an avalanche pile driver through a table that was on the ring ropes. And then Darby Allen came flying off the top rope with a coffin drop with a chair on his back onto Jimmy Havoc. And then Darby Allen pinned Jack Evans to uh, to get the win. So they're doing stuff with uh, with Darby Allen, and they really got the crowd by the end. But yeah, That's cool. that was dark. Not a whole lot to write home about, but a lot of things to talk about in episode number five of Dynamite. So we open up with a cold open. Tony Schiavone is at an airport. He's next to a private jet, and out comes Cody and Dustin. And uh, Cody and Tony do a, a walk and talk to a limo as they head to the arena. Uh, now, I'm, we're going to bring this up again because they go back to this at least one more time. And some of what they did I thought was good, but after the whole show was done, I've now, I'm now of the mindset that they didn't really have to do any of this stuff with Tony Schiavone and Cody. It just felt like... I'm not even sure what it really added. Uh there's a moment later in the show where I thought it added a, a bit, but that was all on Tony Schiavone. Uh, so I'm not really sure. This kind of felt more like filler than anything. It didn't. It wasn't really telling a story uh, that was involved with the rest of the show. So it was a little weird to me. I thought. Uh, I agree with you there. It, it. I was kind of wondering, like, what is this leading up to? What's the point of this? Yeah. And uh, I didn't get much out of it myself. There never really was much of a point to it. No. Uh, they do a recap of last week's main event and the angle that occurred afterwards. So that was smart. Uh, they showed everything that happened after the time limit draw, including uh, Kenny making the save, then Hangman Page coming out and making the challenge to pack for full gear. So all good. Uh, then... We are shown moments after that, John Moxley storming around backstage looking for Tony Khan's office. And Tony is still not a uh, on-screen character, but we do see his office. And John Moxley storms into it, and we can hear what they're saying, and it's subtitled. And basically, Tony Khan is letting Moxley know that, um, you know, this thing between him and Kenny Omega as it's gone too far, they're too violent. Uh, you know, the only way for them to really settle this match is in an unsanctioned match. And Moxley doesn't like this at all. And Tony Khan thinks that he would have liked it. Like, isn't that your thing? Like, you, you know, you love that sort of thing. And he's like, you know, he's being insulted here. He's like, you're trying to put me in a box. You're trying to you're label me. You think like I'm a freak or something. He's like, you know, he, he calls Kenny Omega his boy. He's like, you don't want me to beat him. You don't want my victory to count. Uh, I thought that was all great. I'm glad they put that into the show. Uh, this is the first episode of AEW, I think, that didn't start right away with wrestling. So uh, they shook it up a little bit here in week number five. 
speaking of wrestling, though, we did have a match. Sammy Guevara and Hangman Page is the opener. Uh, Hangman Page got a great ovation here. Uh, he's a little west of where he's from, but they were in West Virginia, and that was close enough for these West Virginians. They treated Hangman Page like he was the hometown boy here. Um, they were chanting and cheering for him. Uh, yeah, they loved him. And the onset here, Sammy Guevara says, screw you and your dead horse. That was mean. <laughs> Very mean. That was really mean. Hangman Page's horse that he rode out on uh, to all uh, to all out uh, had passed away, I believe, not not that long ago. So, uh, rest in peace, Hunter Horse Hunter Horse Helmsley. Hunter Horse Helmsley. Uh, by the way, I don't I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, I think they just put it out. Uh, but if you haven't, and if nobody else has seen it yet, uh, I don't often talk about being the elite on here because it, it usually doesn't really tie into the TV show. But they just released a Halloween edition of Being the Elite, and it is really good. Like, it's just awesome stuff. A lot of fun. Is Uh, it better than last year when they did, like, a Are You Afraid of the Dark episode? Kind of. They sort of do uh, more of, like, a a dream-oriented episode where people are having uh, dreams and crazy things are happening in them. Uh, like the very beginning of the episode is an anim is like the beginning of Toy Story, uh, it, but it's all with AEW wrestlers and it's animated. It's really good. Uh, like Kenny Omega is like doing the reach for the sky with like his his action figure is doing like the gun pose, and he's like, "Give me all your stars!" And there's like a Dave Meltzer action figure like dumping out stars on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta watch that. That's so cool. There's so much fun in the, that whole episode is great. Anyway, to the match. Uh pretty basic back and forth early on. Crowd reel into Hangman Page. Page kicks his ass, hits a moonsault to the floor, and then hits the buckshot lariat for the win. This was mostly Hangman Page. Like Sammy Guevara would get a little bit in, but Page would cut him off and basically wipe the floor with him for the most part. Uh got a big win here. What did you think of the opener? I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it showed off Sammy's athletic ability early on, watching him do those sweet uh, leapfrogs that it looked like he could have missed that in just a second. It was so tight. The, uh, space oh, the, he had the, the back, the backflip leapfrog thing. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I thought it was all right. It's, uh, I feel kind of bad for Sammy. He's kind of the fall guy for, uh, the, um, the inner circle. It seems like, I don't think he has any wins in the singles, uh, contest. Does he? No, not yet. Yeah, but I understand people got to lose. It's got to happen. Uh, what would you give it? I gave this one three stars. Me too. Solid three. And mm-hmm. the good people over at the Grapple app gave it a 3.21. There you go. So they liked it even a little bit more than we did. Uh, just a tiny bit. By 0.21. <laughs> Post-match. Hangman grabs the microphone, says that things have been going a little rough for him lately, but tonight felt good. He says that he's going to go to full gear and he's going to do some cowboy shit. The crowd <laughs> loved this and chanted cowboy shit. And uh, Chuck Taylor's having a heart attack in the back because he had another person. They address it. They address it in the BTE episode. <laughs> awesome. He's like, you got to say the S word on TNT. Uh, he says he's going to take Pac's head off at full gear. Good promo mm-hmm. from Paige. Uh there's a com- there's a picture in picture commercial break, and then the worst thing happened on the show. 
because in this picture-in-picture break, we see Private Party hanging out with the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> and we couldn't hear anything that was being said. And I demand audio of this. I need to know what happened. Um, up next was Shanna making an, her AEW debut. I've never heard of her before. Uh, but she is a wrestler from Portugal who lives in France. And Excalibur told me that she'd wrestled there and in the UK and also has wrestled in Shimmer. And she was taking on Hikaru Shida. And I don't know, the AEW women, man. I don't know what happened here. But Shida took most of the match early on. She main- maintains control going into a picture-in-picture break. Uh Shayna gets the advantage uh, during the break, and the crowd was not into this, although they were doing okay. Mm -hmm. We come back from the break, and they're struggling on the top rope, and Shayna Shayna does the the old Alberto Del Rio, like, double stomp thingy out of the corner, and the crowd was going crazy. Uh, All of a sudden, the crowd became real into this match. Shayna hit a crunchy. Uh, on Shanna to take control. Uh, she hits her with an outside-in superplex for a two-count. Uh, Sheeta then hits a, a, like a shining wizard knee strike for the win. Uh, these girls work pretty good together for the most part. They, I didn't think they were all that clunky. But the crowd wasn't into it that much. But then they got them into it by the end of the match, and it felt like a much better match than it was. They, they do this a lot. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, what, what did you think of this? I thought it was... Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much of the same mind. Uh, I thought... Uh, what was her name? Shanna. Yeah. Um, she shows some promise. I would like to see her in a, with somebody else that has... I don't know. Maybe uh, I, I want to see her in there with Rio at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought overall it was, it was solid for what it was. It didn't pick up really until the end, like you said. Um I think I rated this at three stars and I was before the break, I was kind of be going to be in the two territory for it, but mm-hmm. it really did pick up after the break. Yeah. Here we are again. I had the same feelings by the time this match was done. I gave it three. I'm like, what happened? How do they keep doing this? Like, it doesn't <laughs> feel like the match is going to be all that good or anything special. And then by the time it's done, I'm like, that was good. Yeah. Uh, grapple 2.87. So in the ballpark again, mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Ross is like, hey, for everybody wondering what happened with Brandy last week or what's going on, maybe this video will help. It didn't help. Uh, it was a video of Brandy losing her mind and showing Awesome Kong as well. Like, the video was well made, but Brandy feels very... her character. They're going to need to do something to kind of explain why Brandy's character has been so jittery. Um, she's been a heel, then she's been with Cody as a face, and then she's back to, she cuts this big baby face promo for this match with Allie, but she's not, she's a heel, and she's with Awesome Kong again, but then Kong disappears for a while, and she's just with Cody, and now Kong is back. I have no idea exactly what's happening, although if I were to try to gather what was happening in the video, maybe Awesome Kong has some sort of mystical power that she holds over Brandy. I couldn't really tell. There were like skulls and hair that was being clipped and candles. So I'm not really positive 100% what was happening. But 
What, what did you make of this? Were you able to tell anything? I thought it was really weird. Uh, I, I didn't get anything from the actual promo itself other than this must be something Halloween-related. Uh, I do know... Who who did she attack last week? Jamie Hayter, another bad guy. I could be wrong on this, but I remember reading on Reddit somewhere that there's some history between them. I guess Hayter may have injured her in stardom or something to that effect, and they might be playing off that, but they haven't mentioned it yet. No, and I would say that would be a pretty deep cut. You'd have to mention that for sure. Right. Maybe they will. Maybe they will try to make things a little bit more clear. But for the time being, uh, Excalibur is like, more questions than answers there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they throw to Chris Van Vliet, who is about to interview the Rock and Roll Express, who were on the verge of cutting a great promo. I could just feel it. Like, Ricky Morton was on fire here. He was ready to go. And uh, they were jumped by Santana and Ortiz, who, if you saw the... Uh, the video package for Full Gear, they're now calling them Proud and Powerful. So, like the lyrics from their song, they are P&P. They beat up the rock and rolls. They're getting real good heat here. The southern crowd loves these rock and roll legends, Nick, and they wanted them to come back. They pick up Ricky Morton and powerbomb him through the stage. This crowd was in shock. The Young Bucks come out to run off Santana and Ortiz. We need to get like a we need to get a proud and powerful versus rock and rolls match in AEW. I mean, we need Ricky Morton hitting that Canadian destroyer on TV. I was gonna say it's happened. We definitely gotta make it happen in AEW. I mean, I don't see why not. It could be a fun TV match for sure. I can't believe the Rock and Roll Express are like what a revival that they're having in twenty nineteen. I know. I was in the crowd for that match, too, and when I saw the uh, Canadian Destroyer get hit, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe they were still doing stuff like that. A long, long break here in between matches. They uh, continue the Cody and Tony Schiavone conversation in the limo. Uh, Tony actually tells this awesome Dusty Rhodes story about uh, being at a pool party and, like, Willie Nelson shows up at it and... uh, he goes to get Dusty, and Dusty's naked in his hotel room. And Dusty asks if Willie Nelson is there. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, Willie, Willie's already down there. And he's like, good. He's like, the star should like the the star should be like the last one to arrive. Talking about himself, he's like, you gotta make him, gotta leave him waiting or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and Tony tells the story so good. Uh, it was awesome. But then they keep talking, and it went on too long. Yes, and the crowd was getting restless. Um, so that I would say no good, and and it was at that point, and after the contract signing as well, I'm like, you know, we didn't need to have all of this. I don't think it didn't really add to it, other than Tony Schiavone's awesome story. And by the way, this whole time Tony Schiavone has not been on commentary as well. Um, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and QT Marshall take on the best friends. Uh, that includes Orange Cassidy. Uh, the best friends come out in Rick and Morty cosplay. And they are, in fact, introduced by Morty, I believe, right? Yes, they are. He introduces them. <laughs> and then, probably the highlight of the year, Excalibur forces Jim Ross to say the, the lub-a-dub-dub thing. <laughs> from, I believe Rick is the one who says that. Yes, he is. And Jim Ross reads it. 
and Excalibur is so happy. He's overjoyed. He's laughing. Thank you so much, he says. Uh, I think was... him and Chuck Taylor had a bet to whether or not Jim Ross would say it. <laughs> uh, the baby faces run wild. Uh, best friends go to hug, but QT breaks it up. Orange Cassidy destroys him with kicks. Uh, they all hug. Orange does the hands in the pocket suicida. Strong zero for the win. Crowd was into it. This was fun. What did you think of this, uh, essentially the six-man squash match? Oh, it was a blast. I had so much fun with this match. Just seeing the boys having a good time on Halloween and their costumes. Mm -hmm. Getting to see Silver yell, Sha! a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And and I love that... uh, (laughs) I love Trent's commitment to the costume that even though his uh, <laughs> wig kept coming off, he kept fixing it back on his head. That's perfect. Bryce Remsburg <laughs> having fun here, like putting Orange Cassidy's glasses back on. The best thing is he doesn't even get them on good. Like they're on crooked and Cassidy does not adjust them and does the suicide dive anyway. And they stay on. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, it I mean, the, the match itself was not much. It was a squash, but so much fun that I gave it two and three quarters because it wasn't much of a match, but I, I had fun with it. Same. Uh, unfortunately, Grapple did not like this as much. 1.82. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I gave this uh, two and three quarters myself. I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Just a feel-good moment on television. Yeah, it was a bunch of fun. Uh, and look, this is smart. I I actually have not watched a lot of Rick and Morty, uh, but what I do know is that it's really popular. It's especially more popular with a younger audience, and AEW is trying to cater to a younger audience, and a younger audience is good because you want a younger audience because they will stick around for a lot longer to watch your show and they have more expend they have more expendable cash flow they have more money to waste on things so from a business perspective this is smart uh i'm sure there's a lot of people who don't get it uh and that's fine but the crowd was eating it up they were having a blast and the match itself was at worst harmless but at best fun so yep. uh we get the full gear contract signing up next. Chris Jericho comes out wearing an absolutely ridiculous blazer. It is purple, I think, with yep. pumpkins all over it. Perfect. Unreal. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Cody and Tony Schiavone arrive, uh, and Shivani MCs this thing. Chris Jericho makes a deep WCW deep cut and calls Tony Schiavone... Ski of own, which <laughs> wow, it's been a while since I've heard that one since like '96 or '97 or something. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> Jericho is being an absolutely over the top heel here, but his delivery is absolutely perfect on everything. He's just ridiculous. Um, they sign the contract. Jericho's like, you know, we're professionals. We're not going to make a mockery of this championship match. In fact, I want you to shake my hand. And they shake hands, but Cody pulls him nose to nose, and he has some words for Jericho. And as this is happening, Sammy Guevara shows up on the big screen and shows Jake Hager beating the shit out of Dustin backstage. He uses Dustin's head to put a dent into a car and then slams 
uh, Dustin's arm in a door, uh, and the inner circle take off as Cody rushes to his brother's aid. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, I mean, of all the angles they've done between Jericho and Cody, this is probably the weakest one, <laughs> but this was still pretty good. Pretty standard professional wrestling stuff, but I we enjoyed did get it. To see, we did get to see Hagar uh, throw a low blow in yes. reference to his MMA match, which uh, makes yes. me hope that they'll have a match where low blows are legal because Dustin has the... Um, oh, yeah, the Golden Globes or whatever they used to be called. Uh, yes. The um, oh geez, I wrote it down to the uh, well, I can't remember it now. I forgot what he the calls uh, shattered dreams. Shattered there dreams, yes, yes. The Golden Globes. There, the they Golden. were never. Were they ever called the Golden Globes? They must have been at some point. But they had that promo uh, picture of him and Marlena with Golden Globes. No, <laughs> that's, that's maybe maybe of. that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> that is pretty. I didn't even notice the low blows. That is pretty funny because he did. Yeah. He did have a no contest MMA fight where he just repeatedly kept hitting a dude in the balls. So <laughs> and then just made and then just made testicle puns on Twitter afterwards. <laughs> He's like, that fight was nuts. Stuff like that. Uh yeah, I thought this was I thought this was pretty good. Not the best thing that they've done, but pretty good. Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh the Elite versus the hybrid two and Kip Sabian. This is where I'm like, okay, Jim Ross has just got to go. Or or just not talk when stuff mm-hmm. like this happens. Um, so Kenny Omega's entrance is actually this like really cool Undertale-themed video that, like, uh, and, I mean, maybe nobody knows about the Undertale game, but it's a relatively popular game, especially with uh, younger folks. I know for a fact my oldest daughter loves that world and that game, so... And she doesn't play video games at all. So she, you know, that's a thing she knows. And uh, the video itself was actually really fascinating. Like, uh, it made reference to, like, it kind of made these veiled references to New Japan and Kota Ibushi not really being his friend. And they're very veiled references, but they were there if you wanted to look into them. And... Oh, Abushi was holding the G one uh, trophy right in the picture there. Is that what that was there. like in in oh in silhouette? Is that what that was? Exactly. That was the only thing that was like showing. He was in silhouette, and then there was this trophy that I'm like, that's obviously the trophy he gets for winning the G one. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that they did all that. That's really cool. And then at the end, like they uh, the end of the video, um, it suggested that Sans, a, a character from the uh, the Undertale game will be Kenny's new friend or partner now. And mm-hmm. Kenny comes out to this Undertale music. He's in like a Sans costume. And Jim Ross has absolutely no clue. <laughs> like Kenny Omega is super over. The crowd is, by the way, like the people who know in the crowd are like eating this up. Like it's a ridiculous costume, but like Sans is a fucking skeleton. So like with a silly mask and everything. The crowd knows this though, and they're eating it up and they're loving it. And Jim Ross is like, does Kenny have a mental illness? <laughs> oh I'm like, God. dude, no, you've got, if if you can't sell this, if you can't put this over, just don't say anything. Cause the crowd is eating it up. You sound so out of touch with mm-hmm. the product and the fans and the crowd. Like, 
I'm like, dude, I get it. Like, no one expects you to know what Undertale is. Nobody expects you to know who this character is. But, dude, like, you, you can't do this. Like, you sound like you should be calling NWA Power with Jim Cornette right now. Like, it, you sound like you should be working on that 1978 set, calling 1978 Wrestling. Like, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying he doesn't sound like he fits in here. And that's not good. Like, no. he's, he thought Kenny was mentally ill. I'm like, he's just wearing a fucking costume, dude. Like, and the crowd is eating it up because they know what this is. <sighs> anyway, the good guys kick ass. The bad guys cut them off. Uh, Jack Evans hits a Sasuke special to the outside. That was really good. Very uh, cool. Heels are in control heading into the break. We, are, we come back from the break just in time for the Young Bucks to make a comeback. Then there's a crazy free-for-all. People are just trading things back and forth. There's cool double teams. There's cool triple teams. It's awesome. Uh, Kenny goes for the Terminator dive, but he's cut off by Kip Sabian. Sabian goes for the Terminator dive, but the Elite all catch him uh, and powerbomb him on the apron. They toss in Jack Evans. He gets triple super kicked, hit with the V-trigger, and the one-winged angel for the win for the good guys. Uh, Post-match, uh... I, I keep wanting to call them LX. Proud and powerful. Santana and Ortiz. Uh, by the way, I don't think I like pow- proud and powerful. I think I San- prefer just calling them the inner circle at this point. Yeah, or just Santana and Ortiz, I think. I, I'm like, they need a tag team name. But now that they gave them one, I'm like, I think I just like Santana and Ortiz. They attack <laughs> the Young Bucks at ringside. Uh, and a distracted Kenny Omega gets to them too late uh, to assist. And they run off. Uh, what did you think of this six man? I thought this was a lot of fun as well. Oh, it was a blast. Um, I thought a nice little touch that I caught in there after um, I think the hybrid two did a, uh, a tag maneuver and Helico's rolling out of the ring. And uh, I think it was Matt Jack. No, Nick Jackson uh, kicks him mm-hmm. <laughs> to be like, Hey, where you going? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I like that. The, uh, the LAX proud and powerful. They were dressed up like Rick and Morty just getting some love from the young bucks. And then all of a sudden they, attacked oh, very... they were wearing the Rick and Morty masks, but they were wearing yep. the crappy young buck shirts. I think. Yep. <laughs> the one that and... Matt keeps seeing in his, the one that keeps haunting Matt. Yes. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. That's a little Jericho. Uh, there they're mm-hmm. part of the inner circle. So they're going to be hiding in masks. I assume at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave this one three and a half stars. It was just a fun six man tag. Nothing uh, offensive here. Just a good match. Yeah, and I was uh, right there with you. Three and three quarters from me. Just a little bit above. Uh, Grapple not quite feeling it for either of our scores. They went three point two nine, so they were more in the three and a quarter range. We're all in that three. They're like in the lower three range, but we were in the definitely in the upper three range. Yeah, I mm-hmm. just. I think I just kind of disagree with him on this one. Like, the crowd was eating it up. It was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. uh, this may have been the best thing on the show. Next. Peter Avalon comes out for some cheap heat. He's not. I actually don't think he's all that good at doing cheap heat. <laughs> uh, like, he stumbled for a minute. He was, he was going to say something like, we were at the university today, like the library, like, but you're in West Virginia, you should have been like, there aren't any universities here. And you don't have any libraries. You're so uncultured, you hillbillies. But he didn't do anything like that. Like, Jericho had a great moment where the crowd was getting all riled up, and he's like, settle down, hillbillies. And the crowd would just 
hated this. I can't believe you called us hillbillies. Uh, <laughs> but Peter Avalon, not as good a bad guy as Chris Jericho. Anyway, this the point of this really isn't uh, for Avalon to shine at all. This is for him to come out and talk for a little bit so John Moxley can appear from the audience. He kills Peter Avalon, and then he cuts a promo. And I'm, I'm going to admit right now, I do not have good notes for this promo because I was just captivated by John Moxley's promo. He was on fire here. Like he was just letting loose. He cut a tremendous promo. I thought, uh, talking about, uh, putting him in this match, trying to put him in a box, trying to label him as a freak. And like, this is all he's ever had to deal with. Like the place he came from before all the suits would look at him and, you know, they talk to him like he's stupid, but he's not stupid. You know, and if they if this is what they want, he's going to give them, like, the most violent and bloody match this country has seen in decades or something along those lines. Like, <laughs> he's the toughest son of a bitch. He's, like, the meanest. It was, it was such a great promo. I thought this was just excellent. I don't know how anyone could not watch this and not be fired up to see this match. Like, they are promising a bloody brawl, and I'm pretty sure they're going to deliver. I'm super excited for this match. Uh, I thought this promo was excellent. It was leaps and bounds better than anything I've ever seen him do in WWE in terms of talking. Like, this was the... Like, I remember when they signed Moxley, and I'm like, this is going to be good, because I I never thought he was particularly all that great wrestling-wise, but I thought his promos were incredible. And I was like, I can't wait for the promos he's going to do in WWE. He never did anything like that. This was much closer to, like, the old John Moxley independent stuff than anything he ever did in WWE. What did you think of the, the Moxley promo here? I, I loved it as well, mostly for his energy. I thought the a little bit rambly because we had heard something similar earlier in the show. Right, but the overall, Tony Khan thing, yeah. Exactly, but overall still just the energy. It got me excited. It got me ready for this match. I'm wondering what they're going to pull off in this match. Like, are we, We're finally going to get to see the barbed wire broomstick, hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, main event time. Uh, no, in, no intros for this one. Cut straight into the ring uh, for the introductions for the main event. SCU versus the Lucha Brothers to determine the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions. Uh, they have a brawl from the outset. Uh, Lucha Brothers take control. SCU makes a comeback, and then they just kind of start trading control. Uh, it took a little bit for the crowd to warm up to this, but then they got hot real quick, and they were pretty divided between both of these teams. Uh, there's a huge slingshot pendulum leg drop by Phoenix to the floor, uh, heading into the picture and picture break. Uh, Lucha Brothers maintain control throughout the break, though. When we come back... Uh, Frankie Kazarian hits the Angels' wings, yes. uh, which they notice Christopher Daniels' finishing move. Uh, he hits this to give himself the opening for the Scorpio Sky hot tag, and he runs wild. <clears throat> then Frankie Kazarian almost kills himself trying to do this middle rope Hurricane Rana to the outside on to Phoenix, because Phoenix is standing on the apron, and this does not go well, and Frankie almost kills himself doing this. Um, back in the ring, uh, Pentagon hits a Mexican destroyer on, uh, Frankie Phoenix hits a rolling cutter on Scorpio sky for a big two, uh, 
Pentagon grabs uh, Kazarian on the outside and gives him a power bomb through the timekeeper's table. Crowd's just going crazy. It's a two on one right now. Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix do this crazy move where Phoenix runs and jumps onto Pentagon's shoulders and does a splash. By the way, the crowd was going insane for Ray Phoenix in this match. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he was unbelievable. Uh, they go to try to do the package pile driver double stomp, but Scorpio Sky blocks the package pile driver for a small package, the inside cradle, and Frank Kazarian gets in just in enough time to execute a block on uh, Ray Phoenix, and it's a 1-2-3, and SCU win the AEW Tag Team Championship. Uh, and before we talk about the feelings on the match and the score, I just want to point out that Tony Schiavone ended the show in the best fashion. Schiavone was always known for, like, there'd be chaos at the end of Nitro, and he's like, we gotta go, we'll see you next week, or, you know, whatever he would shout uh, at the end of the at the end of every episode. But he was so hyped, he was so jazzed for this for SCU winning, they're celebrating, and at the end, the last thing we hear before we fade to black is Tony Schiavone just going, SCU! At the <laughs> end. Of, that's how the show ended. I just thought it was so awesome. Tony Schiavone, and again, by the end of this match, Tony Schiavone was just like, I love pro wrestling, essentially. Uh, <laughs> again, w- this is like a joy every week to hear how much he loves calling pro wrestling again. What did you think of the main event? May event was great. Um, I am really shocked that SCU won. I did not see that one coming. I thought for sure the Lucha Bros had this locked up. I mean, it makes sense uh, with the story they were telling with Lucha Bros right. attacking them from behind all the time and injuring Daniels. It makes sense that they would make the the comeback here. But I too thought they were going to go with Lucha Brothers first. But um, and I was also worried that if they were going to go with SCU here, that the crowd wasn't going to be into them. But they were into them, and they were happy that they won this match at the end. Oh, yeah. SCU's getting the love, and that makes me happy because those guys are great. Yep. I uh, I think it's their way, the Bucks' way, and Cody's way of saying that they appreciate them and respect them enough that they'd make the veterans, well, at least with Kazarian, be the first tag champs in the company. Yeah, it was fantastic. The ending I felt a little bit weird about. I thought the roll-up kind of ended things a little bit prematurely. Yeah, I um, think the fans didn't quite... They're like, whoa, wait, what happened? Right. Yeah. That would be my main complaint, but otherwise the match was excellent. I came close to giving this four stars, mm-hmm. but the ending made me take it down a quarter star to three and three-quarter stars. So, yeah, I, I have very similar feelings to you. I thought this match was excellent. I know before AEW started, they talked about how they wanted the women's division to kind of be like WCW's cruiserweight division, and I think they were kind of overshooting their... Uh, goals with that one. Like, there are talented women in AEW, but just something about it hasn't really fully clicked yet. Yeah. Riho seems to be doing real good work. Uh, They booked Britt Baker very smartly last week, uh, and somehow Hikaru Shida and and Shauna got this crowd into their match, but they've also had a lot of... And for the most part, though, none of these matches have been really blow-away. And uh, on top of that, they've had a lot of other matches on like AEW Dark and such that just aren't that good. So I, I think they were maybe overstepping their bounds a little bit by comparing them to the Cruiserweight division. Honestly, 
their tag division is the thing that's more like the WCW Cruiserweight division. Like, crazy matches all the time. Mm-hmm. Just all of these teams are clicking together. Lucha Brothers have had a match on almost every single AEW show, and I don't think there's been a bad Lucha Brothers match. No. Like, I think the lowest scoring Lucha Brothers match I've seen was like three and a half or three and three quarters or something, but most of them are well above. They're unreal. Uh, I actually did give this match a four um, in spite of the the wonky... It wasn't that wonky. It's not like they screwed it up, but it did kind of just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did like it, uh, and I went four. And Grapple went 3.62. So much okay. cl- uh, closer to you, but in the in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. A real good show, I would say. Yeah, solid. Uh, pretty good stuff all around, and I think we only got one more show till we get to the pay-per-view, right? Yeah, I think next week is the go-home show Ooh. for full gear. So... A lot of stuff coming up, I'm sure. Uh, all right, so I know there were some people who thought that, uh, like, they didn't. I think there were some people who didn't enjoy the show because they just didn't get the Rick and Morty stuff. Like, they didn't get maybe like the un, the Undertale or the mm-hmm. costume stuff. But you know that that might just mean that you're getting older. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand, like I don't play Undertale, but I know what it is because uh, okay. my kids tell me about it. Uh, I'm not super big into Rick and Morty, but I know about it because kids, you know, my kids tell me about it. Uh, so I can understand, like they're doing this to reach a certain age group, and it's an important age group to reach. And I, so I took for the most part, I took it on those merits, but. Also, having kids and, like, knowing what those things are helped me enjoy those things. If I went into it cold and had no idea what any of that stuff is, it might be a little confusing. But, you know, you can't deny that the crowd was eating it up. And no. you, play, you, you play to the audience that's paying for your, uh, your show. Like, you give them the show they want to see. And that's what AEW is doing very well. The only thing that I, I thought was superfluous on this show was the Cody and Tony stuff. I thought it was... Yep. It didn't play into anything bigger, and uh, it dragged it a couple points. You know, the thing with Brandy is a little weird, too. I don't know what they're doing with that. But the rest of the show, I thought, was really good. So maybe not the strongest episode of Dynamite so far, but it was not a bad show. So I think uh, so far they're five for five. In uh, in TV shows, I think they're doing real good. Uh, I have no idea what the numbers are going to be. I, it can't, they can't be good because uh, they're unfortunately going up against uh, opening season uh, NBA games and a Game Seven of the World Series. So uh, it can't be good. Stiff uh, competition. Yeah, yeah. So people are expecting another drop uh, in the numbers, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. I also think this is like the first week they didn't do an immediate replay afterwards because I had to wait an hour to watch it on the West Coast channel for TNT. Ah, yeah. And I don't think they've announced anything for next week either, did they? Nope, nothing yet. Yeah, I don't think that they've announced anything, so I don't know what to plug for next week. So, Because uh, I'm assuming they're going to build up something for a tag title match at the pay-per-view and 
Yes. And I, and do we have a women's title match signed yet? No, there's no women's title match signed yet either. Huh. Which is interesting. I don't know what they're going to do there either. So we shall see. Uh, I guess instead of not, well, I don't know what the plug for the main event of next week's show. So I'll just go to a plug that I do know uh, for Think Geek, the sponsors of this episode. Uh, com slash Think Geek. Head on over there to pick up some geeky collectibles and attire that's a cinemageekly.com slash thank geek uh, or you can click the support us link in the show notes for this episode uh, and while you're hanging out at cinemageekly.com you can check out the archives of the show uh, you can also check out our sister podcast what comes next where we're going to talk about uh, what happened on nxt this week and that'll come out a little bit uh, later in a few days uh, of course you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher and spotify just search for the elitists uh, hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time to hear Nick and I talk about episode number six of AEW Dynamite on TNT. Let's take some joggers. We'll stick them in a box. This is the worst daggone town I've ever been in. And if I hear another fiddle, though, I swear I'm going to jump off a bridge. I hate this town. I hate this town. I can't wait to get back to Southern California. SCU!